Right now, Amy Coney Barrett is going through some hearings to become a Supreme Court justice. And it is painful to watch. It's a waste of time. It's not a hearing for her job. It is just a campaign rally with unhinged nonsense. But to be fair, Democrats are doing a pretty good job of keeping things relatively tame. They're trying to focus on health care. That's their big play. Because if they if they pull off something akin to what happened with Brett Kavanaugh, they're worried what's called the Kavanaugh effect will ignite voters and help Donald Trump. Well, S.E. Cup from CNN believes the inverse will happen. And the fact that Donald Trump has nominated Amy Coney Barrett, a religious conservative, is going to ignite Democrats. I'm not entirely convinced, but we'll see what what S.E. has to say. I'm not convinced because Trump already won. The confirmation is probably going to happen. And more importantly, the Democrats can't control their allies in the media. When I say allies, I say they're not one in the same. Often these people in media are rooting for Democrats, but they're too stupid to figure out what's going on and why it's happening. You see, Democrats are trying to keep this hearing tame. Yes, they're going to challenge Amy Coney Barrett on certain key issues, notably health care, some other issues pertaining to the economy, etc., uh, uh, LGBTQ rights and things like that. But for the most part, they're trying to tone it down because they do not want to ignite conservatives or religious folk. The media can't help themselves, though. And I kid you not, I saw probably the stupidest thing ever. And I decided, you know what? Let's trash the hearings. I want to talk to you about what the hearings are supposed to be. I want to talk to you about what the hearings used to be. It's really simple. Donald Trump could appoint anybody. What if he appoint, appointed, I don't know, like a farmer? You'd be like, yeah, you're not a legal scholar. I don't think you should be on the Supreme Court. So the Senate confirms. They would listen to this individual, ask them questions. They're clearly not qualified. Got to go. It is basically precedent tradition that they choose the president will choose a federal judge, meaning they've already been vetted. They already have the skills we know. And it's a very clean cut process. In fact, Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg were unanimously, I believe for the most part, not not entirely, but uh, I think Scalia may have been one of them. I've got I'll, I'll show you. And what we're seeing now is the rapid polarization of this country. It used to be you're a Supreme Court justice or you're a federal judge. You're going to be a, you're going to be on the Supreme Court. Uh, tell me about your qualifications. That sounds good to me. You are qualified. Have a nice day. Now it's political campaign BS and a desperate media that said Amy Coney Barrett uses the offensive term sexual preference to refer to LGBTQ people who she falsely claims she's never discriminated against. Democrats warned against doing this kind of thing. And what's happening now? Loads of people in the media, progressive activists and Democrat activists are attacking Amy Coney Barrett on the basis of her religion because they can't help themselves. Brett Kavanaugh was one of the most contentious Supreme Court confirmations ever. And this happened in the middle of Donald Trump's first term. It's absolutely insane how polarized everything has become. And it's not Trump's fault. Kavanaugh was 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 confirmed 50 votes to 48. Now, that's a far cry from Scalia or Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The polarization in this country is getting absolutely insane. The attacks on Amy Coney Barrett are absolutely unhinged. Sexual preference is offensive now. I don't even know what's going on. I didn't get that memo. But this is what's happening. In defiance of what Democrats were hoping for, members of the media and even some Democrats are going after her on ridic- for ridiculous reasons, proving, in my opinion, the hearings are a sham, she'll be confirmed, and everything's just probably in a downward spiral anyway. How do we get back to the point where Democrats and Republicans were like mostly in agreement? I don't know.
I really don't. Because the polarization isn't the fault of Trump as much as the left wants to claim it is. Trump got elected because of serious problems happening in our country for too long. The American voter was was complacent to just sit back, watch it all happen and vote dear R. Some swing voters looking for some real answers. Well, now people have woken up because this country is is dealing with serious issues. And I will say, in my opinion, the far left has gone ridiculously far, far left. Donald Trump now banning critical race theory is reversing some of this. And I think that lends itself to a Donald Trump victory. But we don't know for sure. Maybe this will result in a reverse Kavanaugh effect for the Democrats. Well, let's do this. Let me start by showing you the stupidest smear in the world. Before we do, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you would like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. There's a P.O. box you want to send me stuff. But the best thing you can do is share this video if you think so. If you think it's good enough. I'm tired, man. I really am watching this. I watched the hearings yesterday on and off. I'm watching them today. And it is just a serious waste of time for everyone involved. We know what's going to happen. It's going to be a party line vote. The Democrats are going to say no. The Republicans are going to say yes. The Republicans are going to win. And everyone just complains in between. This polarization cannot be, we cannot continue this way. But if you think I, I do a good job and I'm rational, at least then sharing the video does help. And don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. I want to talk mostly about polarization, but let's at least highlight the problem of what this hearing represents and why the media is at fault on this one. Business insider Amy Coney Barrett uses offensive term sexual preference. She falsely claims she's never discriminated against LGBTQ people. Are they trying to imply that by saying this? She is. Let me ask you all a question. Have you have you ever heard that the phrase sexual preference is offensive? I never have. And well, I don't try to offend people. Why should she be attacked for saying something under the assumption she knows what she's doing? Believe it or not, they're claiming it's a dog whistle that she is secretly signaling to the far right that she's anti-LGBTQ. Are you nuts? What is going on in this country, man? Look at this. Supreme Court nominee Judge Amy Coney Barrett used the widely denounced term sexual preference to refer refer to LGBTQ Americans orientation. During her Senate confirmation hearing on Tuesday, sparking widespread criticism from LGBTQ rights advocates and others. Is that the only thing they could muster? Because I'll tell you this, the word orientation. Do you know where the word orientation comes from? It comes from the Latin orient, meaning from the east, which is widely used to describe Asian countries and is considered racist and offensive. So if you would like to replace the word preference because you think it's a word for choice with the word orientation, which is rooted in the word orient, that's where it comes from. Well, then you, sir, are a bigot. I can play the same game. They're desperately trying to find anything they can do to attack and insult Amy Coney Barrett. You know what the funniest thing is about this stupid hearings? Watching old white men berate a younger white woman, telling her why she's not qualified to have a very important job. Now, honestly, I don't care if someone wants to berate somebody. It's a job interview. Essentially, fine. Ask questions. But don't come to me pretending to be a progressive that, and, and then calling out these phrases as offensive and, and letting your, your old white Democrat men attack a woman who would be placed on the highest court in the land. She seems quite successful to me, but is that the best they could do? Well, they've, they've asked questions about her religion, and I guess that's fine. But this is just so absolutely insane. They say Barrett refused to say whether she agreed with the landmark 2015 Supreme Court ruling Obergefell versus, uh, v. Hodges which held that same-sex marriage is constitutionally protected. 
Barrett said recently that she holds the same judicial philosophy as former conservative Justice Antonin Scalia, for whom she clerked in the late 1990s. It is long established, at least as far as I can tell, that Supreme Court justices avoid opining on issues they may actually rule on later. Though I'm pretty sure that Ruth Bader Ginsburg did give her opinion on certain issues of gender equality and things like that, and I can respect it. And if uh, if if Amy Coney Barrett says it is a you know it's against judicial uh, what did she say? Uh, I don't want to say ethics, but um, basically a code of conduct. I think that's what she said. That you're not supposed to go up there and be like, here are all my political opinions, because sometimes as a judge you rule against your political opinions if it makes sense. And so they're trying to accuse her of being a bigot, a religious bigot, a racist, etc. Scalia dissented in the Obergefell case and argued that same-sex marriage is not a legal right. Quote, I have no agenda and I do do want to be clear that I have never discriminated on the basis of sexual preference and would not ever discriminate on the oh, we just lost the website. Congratulations, Business Insider. There we go. She said, um, I would not ever discriminate on the basis of sexual preference. Barrett, uh, Barrett said in response to questioning about Obergefell, like racism, I think discrimination is abhorrent. LGBT rights organizations and others quickly pointed out that the correct term is sexual orientation. I'm going to stop you right there. No, it isn't. I'm part Asian. I'm offended. How dare you use the offensive term orient to describe what you think is inoffensive? No, choose a different word. You want to play games? We'll play games. Let me show you this story from Axios. I covered this before, but it's important to bring up now for the for the greater context as we move into what I want to discuss is polarization. Democrats feel boxed in on strategy for Barrett confirmation fight. They basically said, do not, uh, uh, you, you, let, me, let me just read. Senate Democrats recognize the danger uh, of attacking her on religion and things like that. Liberals mishandling this by boycotting or treating her with disrespect. Uh, Diane Feinstein screwing it up. Someone look, looking like a religious bigot. One more fear on Barrett, the adoption thing. Gotta avoid that. Some liberals tweeted slurs about adoption yesterday and were slapped down. A top Senate Democratic aide said the party has a three-part plan for avoiding those traps. Healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. That's what they're trying. From the nation, the Democrats might actually have a strategy to block Amy Coney Barrett. Democratic senators demonstrated unusual discipline as they hammered away at Barrett's threat to the Affordable Care Act. The problem is it may not be enough. With respect, the Democrats are holding true to their strategy of targeting ACB on health care. Ultimately, it, ultimately, it doesn't matter because she's going to get confirmed anyway on party lines. That to me is scary. It shouldn't be that way. But I think what Democrats are really going for right now is they know they're going to lose this one. So they're essentially campaigning against Donald Trump. They're trying to rile up their base. First, I'll point out the obvious. In a story from the Daily Mail, they mention Amy Coney Barrett says she can set aside Catholic beliefs and gun ownership to rule fairly, but refuses to say if she'd overturn Roe v. Wade and same-sex marriage as she faces senators' questions on second day of confirmation hearing. I think these are fair questions. You own a gun. Are you going to be impartial? I will be. Okay, thank you. You're religious. Can you be impartial? I can be. Okay, thank you. Now, as it pertains to religious matters, giving an opinion on whether she would or wouldn't rule against them is something I think is, is entirely different. Now we're seeing something that is just, it's, it's part of the polarization, but it's on the other side. We have this, this letter, an open letter to Amy Coney Barrett telling her to reject the nomination. They say, it is vital you issue a public statement calling for a halt to your nomination process until after the November presidential election. They say, first, Voting for the next president is already underway. Next, 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dying wish was that her seat on the court remain open until a new president was installed. Are you are you kidding me? A new president? If Donald Trump is reelected, he won't be a new president. So no, not an issue. Finally, your nomination comes at a treacherous moment in the United States. Our politics are consumed by polarization, mistrust, and fevered conspiracy theories. Our country is shaken by pandemic and economic suffering. There is violence in the streets of American cities. The politics of your nomination, as you surely understand, will further inflame our civic wounds, undermine confidence in the court, and deepen the divide among ordinary citizens, especially if you are seated by a Republican Senate weeks before the election of a Democratic president and Congress. You have the opportunity to offer an alternative to all that by demanding that your nomination be suspended until after the election. We implore you to take that step. They say, we're asking a lot. If Vice, uh, Vice President Biden is elected, you will lose your seat. They're basically saying, throw it up in the air. The last few, uh, we, we still have several months of Trump's presidency, regardless of whether the election is going on right now. It's not until January that the new uh, politicians will be sworn in, and January 20th, when the new president will be sworn in. So, no. Even if she, uh, you know, waits, uh, puts her nomination process on hold until after the election, she can still be confirmed in the lame duck session. This is just absurdity, stacked upon absurdity. I'll tell you what's really scary. If the Democrats win the Senate, do you know what happens if the Democrats win the Senate? They're going to pack the courts. They're going to impeach. Let's, if Trump wins the presidency but loses the Senate, it's over. They'll pack the court. They'll impeach Trump. Done. Trump will be removed. They'll probably then impeach Mike Pence. And then they'll get, I guess, President Pelosi. They'll do it. I'm, I'm, I'm confident they will. And this is the polarization that I'm talking about. Considering what we've seen so far, with the with the lengths they've been willing to go with the previous hearings and the and the, the attempted impeachment already why wouldn't they impeach and remove Trump then Pence and install president Pelosi why wouldn't they do it now if Biden wins some people argue that pe- uh, um, the Amer- uh, the American people might actually elect Joe Biden and Kamala Harris but keep the Republican Senate as a check on them because people don't like Donald Trump i don't know what to expect you know in, in this upcoming election but I can show you a couple things that I find particularly offensive, which will probably sway things for Trump. First, take a look at this article from the Daily News. S.E. Cup writes, Donald Trump's supreme mistake. Amy Coney Barrett's nomination may well supercharge Democratic turnout. She brings up the Kavanaugh effect. She says Republicans promised Kavanaugh's nomination and Democrats attacks on the judge would lead to a Kavanaugh effect in the coming midterms. Senate Judiciary Committee member Lindsey Graham said the Kavanaugh effect should actually be called Kavanaugh's revenge. And yet, Kavanaugh's revenge would have made a better pirate ride at Disneyland than it did in Republican Revolution. In sum, Democrats took control of the House with the largest midterm margin of victory in America in history, and five Democratic senators in states Trump won in 2016 won their reelections. What she's leaving out is that many Democrats lost their reelections. Many of them lost and were replaced by Republicans, and I believe that's how we got Josh Hawley. Maybe she's right. Maybe she is right, and that by, you know, this this nomination process, Democrats will get riled up. But I wonder what suburban housewives see in Amy Coney Barrett. You know why? Amy Coney Barrett has it all. You ever watch 30 Rock? Great show, by the way. Tina Fey's the main character, and she talks about how she wants to have it all, meaning be a mom, have kids, and have a successful career. And the argument is that it's not possible. You have to choose one or the other. Amy Coney Barrett, she is a federal judge nominated for the Supreme Court, the one of the most successful positions in this country. And she has a large and loving family. Sounds like she's done it. 
She she is the the, the pinnacle of success. So I wonder if you're a, a, a run of the mill, regular old American suburban mom and you see the accomplishments of someone like Amy Coney Barrett. I believe there's probably a lot of people and not just women, but men as well that resonate. They see that and they're inspired by that success. And they, you know, it's it's inspiring. Well, now they're attacking Amy Coney Barrett on her religion, on her family. And I I don't mean just the Democrats. I mean, some Democrats. But let me show you this. How about some tweets? Zerlina Maxwell says, sorry, but this has been in my mind all day. Carry on. Amy Coney Barrett's wearing a mask. So what do they do? They show images from Handmaid's Tale of women wearing masks, I guess, so they can't speak. Amy Coney Barrett is wearing a mask because she's trying to stop people from getting sick. They are using the fact that she's wearing a mask for COVID to insult her. How about this one? This is, oh, I'm sorry, this is a tweet about the the phrase orientation, which is just absurd. But you know what? Michael Moore wanted to chime in. Blessed be the fruit, he says, attacking Amy Coney Barrett on her religion with an edited photo. Under his eye, blessed be the fruit, says Michael Moore. And what does he show? Amy Coney Barrett wearing red and wearing a COVID face mask. Disgusting. And then he sh- and next to it, well, I'm sorry, not Amy Coney Barrett. The tweet is disgusting. Now, Amy Coney Barrett seems quite lovely and successful. And, uh, and, and she, you know, she seems to be a fine, uh, she, she seems to be a fine person. The image next to hers is of a handmaid from Handmaid's Tale wearing a mask and wearing red. This is just uh, sickening behavior. This is not what Supreme Court hearings should be, but they, they've been this way, you know, in the past. And, but it's look, let me show you some stuff. Antonin Scalia, the full Senate debated Scalia's nomination only briefly confirming him 98 to zero unanimous confirmation of Antonin Scalia. Amy Coney Barrett says that she believes basically everything he does. She clerked for him, meaning she helped uh, uh, provide advice, opinions, insight on probably many of the rulings that Scalia held. Amy Coney Barrett said when asked about potential rulings that to give her thoughts, she'd have to look at the, the current precedent, look at the the, 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 the the litigants' arguments, and, you know, converse among her clerks about, you know, what this means. And that means Antonin Scalia, she is, uh, uh, you know, she, she trained, she worked under him. She was a clerk under him. And likely very similar. So what is it that made it so that Scalia could be could be confirmed unanimously with only brief debate? And Amy Coney Barrett is told to step down by by people at Notre Dame telling her, you know, don't do this. It's too polarizing. You have to stop. It has to go to the new president. Ruth Bader Ginsburg also had a particularly uh, uh, prominent or I should say uh, unified vote. The United States confirmed her by a 96 to 3 vote on August 3rd, 1993. Now, those are the good old days, huh? When uh, polarization wasn't this serious of a problem. Now, let's talk about Brett Kavanaugh. The Senate confirmed Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court as an associate justice on October 6th by a vote of 50 to 48. This was a party line vote. Only one Democrat voted for Kavanaugh. And it didn't matter. That's nuts. Where do you think we're going? With Amy Coney Barrett, it's going to be it's going to be party line. And that shows that the polarization is getting more and more intense. And I wonder where we're at. You see, you may have seen this graphic. I said, doesn't the data speak for itself? The left is moving further left. The right is only a little bit, but the median right is only slightly further right. Of course, many people were responding saying, you don't know what it means. It doesn't mean they're far left. I mean, on the chart, geez, the chart that I'm showing for those listening Shows that in 1994, Democrats and Republicans, the median Democrat Republicans, overlapped almost entirely. 
in 2004, they actually overlapped more so. It was very, very close. Something happened. In 2017, the Democrats have, the median Democrat has moved super far left. Now, the left and the right on these charts is consistently liberal and consistently conservative. What this means is polarization, not whether someone's a socialist or a laissez-faire capitalist. This is about whether or not the Democrats and the Republicans are working together. The median Republican is working with Democrats to a certain degree. They're only a little bit to the right of where they were in 04 and 1994. But the Democrat median is far away from Republicans right now. They're not working with Republicans. The polarization is getting bad to the point where in terms of actual party line opinion, Republicans are slightly to the left of where they used to be. When they talk about things like jobs, the economy, Donald Trump is a moderate, according to Vox.com, and in my personal opinion as well. The left, however, has embraced a far left identitarian ideology, socialist policies. Consider this. Joe Biden was the vice president for the deporter in chief. That's what they called Barack Obama. Now, Joe Biden says moratorium on deportation and decriminalized border crossings. That is a tremendous leap from where he was only a few years ago. That's the left becoming more ideologically far left and refusing to negotiate with Republicans. I don't think you'll find a Republican willing to entertain a bill that says decriminalized border crossings. I just don't think it's going to happen. How has the media handled things? Well, let me show you. The Republican Party has embraced American fascism. Uh Uh-huh. That's it. That's the media for you. From Business Insider. Where are we going? What's what is is the outcome of all of this chaos and polarization? Biden landslide creeps into view, they say. Maybe. Maybe. They'll pack the courts. They will absolutely, if Biden wins and they get the Senate, it is going to be... It's the Democrats super, uh, super uh, one party rule. We've had Republican one party rule and Republicans are too feckless to do anything. So even though they had all three branches of government for the most part, they didn't get anything done. Not funny. A bunch of these Republicans ended up leaving. Some Democrats won. We'll see what happens in 2020. It should be interesting. All right. I mean, in, no, in, in less than a month, I say 2020, I mean the election. Maybe it'll be a Biden landslide. We're, but we're already seeing absolute chaos, man. Protesters knocked down obelisk for Union soldiers. Yeah, well, it had some offensive carvings on it originally about Native Americans, but this this monument was placed in honor of those who fought for the Union in the Civil War that got toppled. We're seeing San Francisco uh, uh, rents skyrocketing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, rents cratering as vacancies skyrocket. The cities are falling apart and we've got mail-in voting problems. We've got voter registration problems. Everything just seems to be getting worse. Now, this isn't supposed to be like a black pill moment. For those aren't familiar, just like absolute pessimistic nihilism. I'm not saying that. I'm just giving my critique on the current state of things. Listen, the night is always darkest before the dawn. Donald Trump may win in a landslide. And if he does, I think this will all end. If you want my honest opinion, if you want the insanity to stop, if you want things to go back to normal, to be better, then you need Trump and a Republican landslide. And I'll tell you why. As I showed you with that previous chart, the Democrats have veered far, far left. The Republicans control the Senate and the presidency, and that means they get to confirm and uh, nominate and confirm their the Supreme Court choices. The Democrats have tried to impeach, block, and impede every step of the way. They're not legislating. You know what the minority position is supposed to be doing in Congress, in my opinion at least? Negotiating. I'll tell you what. Here's what we should do. 
you're going to pass this bill, give us these provisions so we can you know, be there for our constituents. They're not doing that. When the moderate Democrats won in 2018, they immediately just went to impeach Trump. It's pathetic. These, these, these moderate Democrats that won are pathetic. They have no spine of their own and they wasted everyone's time. Why would I want them to win? People do hate Trump, though. So the question right now is, do people hate Trump more than they fear what the left has become? And there's other ways to view it. I've talked to some locals. I've talked to some independent voters. And it seems like Trump is I've, I've not met someone who's telling me they're voting for Biden. To be completely honest, I've met people saying they're voting third party. I have lefty friends who tell me they're voting for Biden, but they've always been Democrats. The people I've met who, have, who are who are non-voters tell me they're voting for Trump and they're upset about it, to be completely honest. They say that they hate the choices that we have, but they need to vote for Trump to get rid of whatever this is on the left. Yeah. If Donald Trump wins and the Republicans win and they win the House back, this will actually be a change, a change from 2016 when they did control everything. But you, you, you still had these crony rhinos, Republican in name only. You currently have the Democrats in name only. If the Republicans sweep everything, they'll probably, you know, pass some laws, get things they want. It'll be a loss for social liberals, but it will be a gain for this country. The left, the far left needs to be told enough. The Democrats need to be told you cannot negotiate with these people because if you do, we will not support you. But if you take all the riots and the violence and the vandalism, and that works for you, and you take the smears and the insults and the insanity, and that works for you, and you vote for these Democrats, you're telling the mob what they do works. And that will lead us down a dark path. I think Amy Coney Barrett is qualified for the job, should be confirmed, and I probably don't agree with her on tons of issues. Doesn't matter. She was nominated by the president who won an election. She will be confirmed by a Senate who won their elections. And as far as I can tell, she is qualified to be a Supreme Court justice, period. If I was in Congress, I wouldn't sit there and say, your religion, oh, and, and you know, the economy. I'd just simply say, um, Honorable Amy Coney Barrett, thank you for gracing uh, our presence today. Uh, only a few questions. How many years have you spent uh, teaching at Notre Dame? I, I'm familiar with you. Teach. Okay, that's excellent. How many years have you spent as a, as a federal judge? Only only three years. Interesting. Do you believe that your lack of a, uh, your, your limited amount of time on the on the federal court would uh, uh, inhibit your abilities in any way? Or do you do you think you've gained enough experience to be a good Supreme Court justice? She gives her answer. If she answers in the affirmative, I have I have the skills to do this job. I am a professor. I am I am, you know, a, a judge. I just say, sounds to me like you're qualified. Thank you for your time. I yield. That's what that's how I view things as, you know, what, what are supposed to happen. Now, I, I don't mind if they want to ask her serious questions to make sure she's competent. But what we get instead is just politicking. It's all for the TV. It's all for the soundbite. It's not going to we're not going to come to a better place if this is how things continue. Maybe after November, we see the Republicans sweep and it returns to normal. If the Democrats sweep, they'll make dramatic changes. They'll stack the courts and. It will prove the far left mob violence and cancel culture works. That's not going to be fun, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com slash Timcast News at 6 p.m. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. We have some major updates as it pertains to rioting and the violence happening across this country. The first is that the security company involved in the Matthew Doloff shooting and the news outlet could be facing criminal charges. I don't know what that means for a company, probably a fine of some sort. For those that are familiar with this incident, this is the the unlicensed security guard who shot a right wing rally goer in the face. We now have a statement from their lawyer claiming self-defense, obviously, but I don't think that uh, that will stand. 
because we've got photos of the right wing rally goer backing away. But this is the big breaking up the end of the story. I also want to issue a, a correction and apology to Matt the alien. We'll get into I'll get into that because this is not the man involved, but his uh, his name was included on a flyer. We got some stuff out of Portland. Donald Trump is calling on the FBI to investigate the far leftists who tore down the statue of Abraham Lincoln and Teddy Roosevelt. And the feds are continuing the process of locking up these Antifa. So there's a lot going on this morning. But first, let's talk about what's happening with the uh, the Pinkerton security company and the latest update from Denver. The Daily Mail reports bosses at security firm Pinkerton and the local Denver TV station could face criminal charges after unlicensed contractor shot dead Navy vet 49 at Patriot Rally as his lawyers claims he acted in self-defense. They say a private security company and television station which hired an unlicensed security guard could be facing criminal charges. This we know. Matthew Doloff, 30, is being held in jail for investigation of first degree murder following Saturday afternoon's shooting of Lee Keltner, 49. The incident happened near Denver Civic, uh, Civic Center Park. As protesters filled filled out of the park following the demonstrations, a Patriot muster and a BLM Antifa soup drive counter protest. So the important point here, the right wing rally was scheduled. So the left decided to show up. The security guard who was a leftist, a Bernie Sanders supporting leftist, Black Lives Matter supporting leftist, was uh, apparently hired by a local news outlet, shot this man in the face. I know many of you probably don't know the context, but I think it's important just for anybody who didn't hear the security guard, according to the reporter, came up behind her yelling something at the right wing rally goer, Keltner. Keltner then, you know, swung at him and hit him in the face. She says in defense, he then took a, two, a few steps back as the man uh, Doloff was grabbing for his gun. I think we can easily debunk the statement made by Doloff claiming self-defense. Here's what he says. Doloff was working for the security company Pinkerton and Nine News contracted Pinkerton to provide protection to the TV crew covering the demonstrations. He claims Keltner reached inside his shirt, which scared him and prompted him to shoot. Extraordinary photographs from the shooting show him spraying Doloff with mace, then being shot dead. I believe that is incorrect based on the actual sequence of photos. And I didn't notice him reaching into his shirt. He's holding the mace in his hand the entire time. In fact, another man on the ground was screaming, was saying, mace me, bro, mace me, something like that. The dude clearly had the pepper, the, the pepper spray or the mace in his hands before. And he reached in his shirt. Seems like this guy Doloff is lying. They say the biz, uh, on Monday, CBS4 said a licensed security guard employer, uh, C, uh, uh, the Denver city attorney told CBS4, licensed security guard employers that hire unlicensed security guards could face disciplinary actions against their licensees ranging from a fine to suspension to revocation. Businesses could also face criminal charges for permitting or directing an unlicensed person to perform security services. Regarding Matthew Doloff, there could be civil or criminal action taken or both against Mr. Doloff, Pinkerton, and Nine News, and or any other entity that hired and deployed Doloff in an unlicensed security guard capacity. You want to, you want to say self-defense? Sorry. The dude was not allowed to be out there working in that capacity, let alone armed. I don't know what the open carry rules are in, in Colorado. This guy was out there illegally. So I'm sorry. This sounds like murder. He may plead down. We'll see. They say K, uh, KUSA TV, the TV station which broadcast Nine News, said Sunday that it has been hiring private security to accompany its staff at protests for a number of months. It said Doloff had been hired through the Pinkerton Security Company. However, in a statement, Pinkerton said Doloff was a contract agent, not an employee. 
The company did not reveal the name of the contract company Doloff worked for. Pinkerton is fully cooperating with law enforcement authorities in their investigation of this matter, it said. A lawyer representing Doloff's family insisted that he was acting in self-defense. Doug Richards, who said he is representing Doloff's family, said the man who was shot reached into his shirt, which made Doloff fear for his safety, leading him to shoot. He said images of the scene from the Denver Post, which first reported his comments, show that Doloff put his body between the man and the reporter from Nine News he was working to protect. He was doing what he was supposed to do, being there. In the sequence of photos, when he approaches the right wing rally goer and gets smacked, he then immediately grabs his gun. So no, I don't believe it was self-defense because the, because after he got slapped, the dude backed away. Now, some people are arguing and we see these leftists putting the photos out of order where you can see the right wing guy standing far away. Then the next photo is him smacking him, but his hat's gone. It's a trick. It's a manipulation. The right wing dude, Lee Keltner, smacked him as he approached him. His hat flew off. Keltner backed away. And as he was backing away, Doloff was grabbing for his gun. If you want to ask me my opinion, I'll tell you this. Doloff is a is an avowed leftist. He was a Bernie Sanders supporting Occupy activist, probably has an emotional bent against Trump supporters and the right. And so he was agitated. He was angry and he shot the men in the face. So you want to tell me about self-defense? Sure, I get it. You know, you, you, you aim, you hit where it hits. You want to argue self-defense. I don't see it that way. I'll tell you what I see. This guy approached the right wing rally goer. This guy was a leftist. This guy got hit because he got in the face. He walked up to the rally goer. Now you want to, okay, maybe, maybe he was getting in between the guy. Okay. The, the, the right wing guy, Keltner was maybe walking up to a journalist. So he got in between them and that's when he got smacked. Sure. Doesn't give you the right to reach for your gun as the dude is backing away. I just don't buy it. Dude should not have had a gun. Uh, uh, I mean, he wasn't a security guard, but to shoot someone in the face, maybe that's just where he, you know, wasn't intentional. But to me, it sounds like if I was going to make a guess, I would bet that he just hates. He's a hateful person. I think you see enough of these left wing riots and rallies that even a a normie progressive kind of guy is going to have a hard bias and and hate. That's what that's what I'm worried about. So they say police have said two guns and a mace can were found at the crime scene, but declined on Monday to release any more details about what happened, including who the guns belong to, because they do not want to harm the ongoing investigation. So I'm, I, I got to do something very, very important here. I got to issue a very serious apology in my uh, coverage of this. Matt Doloff on his Facebook page has a flyer that says Electronic Tuesdays with Matt the Alien sub dot mission. My my assumption I made on video was that I guess Matt the alien was the name of Matt Doloff. It's not. I was wrong. And I, I seriously apologize for this. Um, I saw the Space Invader logo and I assumed that it was a reference to the tattoo on Matt Doloff, the Space Invader logo with sub dot mission. When I tweeted about it, I didn't really say much, but I think it's obvious that what I tweeted could construe this as Matt the alien is, you know, this guy Matt Doloff. He's not. He's not. Not at all. And so I absolutely and sincerely apologize I'm going to include the link to Matt the Aliens fundraiser. Matt the Aliens is just a DJ. It's nothing to do with this at all. And apparently he was recently in an accident. And so he's going through some, some hard times. Matt, I'm, I'm incredibly sorry. I uh, uh, did not mean to insinuate or in any way, you know, cause you any, any trouble or anything like that. I just saw this flyer on the, the profile of Matthew Doloff with submission and the Space Invader symbol and associated sub dot mission, the space invader symbol. And look, I said in my video, I think that maybe Matt the alien is his DJ name. 
And that was a mistake. And I apologize. So if you guys want to check out Matt the Alien, um, he's he doesn't seem to be involved. Like he's not involved in any way, 100%. And so I apologize. Seems like a good dude. Uh, other than that, don't, don't, don't know a lot about him, but I'll include the link to his fundraiser. Uh, just because I am extremely apologetic if I in any, any way insinuated this guy had anything to do with this. Uh, no one's forcing me to make any apologies. This is legitimate and sincere. When I found out, you know, what this guy was going through, he, he's been in a, uh, an accident. I felt really, really bad. And that was a very, very serious mistake. I try, I try my best to correct these mistakes when they happen. And Matt, uh, sincere apologies. And I hope you guys are willing to look into, uh, you know, uh, Matt, Matt the alien and, and help him out if that's what, what we can do. So again, he had nothing to do with this. The flyer just seems to be uh, sub.mission, which is on Matthew Doloff's page, just like an event promoting a DJ who has nothing to do with this. So again, DJ has nothing to do with this. Now, uh, but moving on from here, I want to talk about what's going on in Portland because uh, Donald Trump wants the feds to come after those tearing down the statues. Does that mean anything? Does it mean anything to me? Does it mean anything to you? I mean, look, I love I, I like the idea that Donald Trump is saying investigate the people who did this. But come on, man, I got to be honest. Like to quote Joe Biden, I, I can't, I, I hate that Joe Biden says, come on, man, over and over. That's not fair. We're allowed to say, come on, man. How long has it been? 135 days. Is anything really going to be done in terms of stopping these statues being torn down? I don't think so. I'll tell you what, though. I've been having conversations with some regular people, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised to find the people that are voting for Trump over this stuff. I mean, you tell someone that Antifa is going around tearing down statues of Abraham Lincoln and... A lot of people are confused by that. A lot of people are angry to hear about what's going on with the violence, with the chaos. And regular people are not these political extremists, man. I was recently talking to someone who was like right leaning, but doesn't really pay attention all that much to the culture war. They're just, you know, they, they follow news passively and very, very, very calm. Some independent voters, they hear this stuff. They hear these conversations. I have to wonder, can Donald Trump actually stop the violence at this point? Because it's up to the it's up to the Democrats in Portland, in Oregon, to stop things like this. So it's no wonder that the destruction of statues, say Abraham Lincoln, are happening in places where the Democrats allow it to happen. I got some tweets from uh, Andy No. I'll show you, and not this one. Let me show you this one. Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler says President Trump's comments condemning the Antifa rioters as animals puts Native American communities at risk. M- Mayor Ted Wheeler is more interested in defending the far left extremists who are destroying our, our public property, our statues, and attacking a museum. He's more interested in defending them than, than actually dealing with the problem. I don't know if he thinks that people hate Trump that much, but I'll tell you this. The conversations I've had with regular people, even left-leaning people, they're not the Twitterati. These are not the Trump derangement syndrome people, man. When I talk to like some some locals out here in, in this area, Matt, and it's a pretty red area, but I was talking to someone recently who's just like unaffiliated, doesn't really care. And they were like, uh, I, I just don't like the violence. I just want it to be stopped. You know, Trump, I don't know a lot about Trump. I he's kind of he's kind of, a, he's kind of an idiot. He talks like an idiot. And I laugh and I'm like, yeah, Trump's definitely got a mouth. But they're like, why can't why won't they stop these people? Why aren't why aren't the politicians getting involved in stopping these people? And uh, good question. I think Ted Wheeler is spending too much time on Twitter. And these journalists on Twitter and the things they put out there convince people that the left likes what the rioters are doing or they hate Trump more. If you go on Twitter, you will hear extreme Trump hate. If you go into the real world, you'll, you'll hear people. You, if you go into the real world, you hear people roll their eyes and go, oh, <laughs> Trump, am I right? 
And it's more of an exasperation with the way Trump talks. Some people are willing to support that because the economy was doing really well. Some people weren't. But the mayor, Mayor Ted Wheeler and many of these Democrats are trapped in the Twitterverse. They see these things on Twitter. They see what people are saying and they assume everybody hates Trump. So when they tear down Abraham Lincoln, which they are you kidding me? Well, Ted Wheeler says, well, Trump is wrong to criticize those who would attack a statue of Abraham Lincoln. And regular people at this point are probably just like, what? It tore down Abraham Lincoln, dude. So Trump is calling for the FBI. In fact, actually at a rally, uh, Trump said he's instructed the FBI to investigate this and figure out who did it. Let me show you something. It's, it's coming. It's happening. Accused violent Antifa who had charges dropped by Portland DA now federally charged instead. Bravo. Good, sir. It's the least we can do. You know, I was talking to uh, last night on the IRL podcast. We had the, the, the chairman of the Proud Boys, Ricky Tario, and he said the police aren't allowed to do their jobs in many circumstances, uh, particularly in Portland. And he said that he went to Portland because it gave them their powers back. They immediately lifted the ban on tear gas. More cops came out and a bunch of Antifa got arrested and the Proud Boys didn't do anything. They had their little rally. They sang some songs and they left. I thought it was, it was clever, but I also think it's, it's, it's not entirely accurate. The police in Portland are doing their job, but the district attorney is cutting them loose, to which uh, Enrique pointed out. Because they announced they were going to Portland, Portland police officers were deputized by U.S. Marshals. Apparently, the deputization was supposed to be removed, de-deputized or whatever, a day later after the event was over. But it remains. What does that mean? Well, if you've been following my content, you know that it means if one of these extremists gets arrested, then they will be charged federally. Check this out. A federal grand jury indicted a Portland man after he attempted to punch a female cop in the face and dragged her a short distance during a Black Lives Matter Antifa attack on a police station in August. The accused rider had previously been arrested twice and charged with multiple violent felonies, but all those charges were dropped by the local district attorney. 27-year-old Travis Austin Hessel of Portland was federally charged with felony civil disorder, U.S. Attorney Billy J. Williams announced. In the early hours of August 4th, protesters rioted outside of the Penumbra Kelly Public Safety Building. They shined lasers in the eyes of officers. The faci- uh, we, we, we know all this. Yeah, they were throwing paint balloons. We've been there. When Portland police tried to disperse the crowd, a group resisted. During the physical melee, Hessel allegedly tried to punch a female officer. I'm not surprised by that. There's probably a bunch of dudes he could have punched, but I see who he's going after. When she tried to place him under arrest, he fled, dragging her a short distance before she lost her grip. Two backup officers were able to stop Hessel and take him into custody. Hessel was booked in the Multnomah County Detention Center and charged with felony assault of a public safety officer by police. But he was bailed out immediately, and the county's progressive district attorney dropped the charge for unknown reasons. Portland, you elected an extremist DA who was allowing the, uh, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and assume that Mike Schmidt is secretly a Trump supporter. I know, I said it. He's secretly a Trump supporter saying, you know what's really helping Trump? Riots. That, what, what does he want? More people to tear down statues of, of iconic American heroes like Abraham Lincoln? The dude literally signed the Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation. And this guy is cutting these people loose. He must love Trump. He must be a secret Trump supporter pretending to be on the left. I'm kidding, by the way. He's probably just another one of these Antifa lunatics. They say this wasn't the first time Hessel was arrested for riot-related activities. On the first night of mass violence in May, Hessel was charged with a felony riot, felony burglary in the second degree, interfering with the peace officer and resisting arrest. He was quickly let go at the time without bail. All of those charges were also dropped. Come on, man. 
to quote Joe Biden. I've been arrested before. This does not happen. Let me tell you, I was once uh, uh, driving to visit a, a family member who needed some assistance, who was uh, in, 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 a, in, a, in a bad emotional state. I'll put it that way. I had been staying on a military base. This had to do with, uh, with, the, with war in, in, in Iraq. And I was trying to comfort a family member. Unbeknownst to me, uh, I had gotten a bunk speeding ticket. I wasn't speeding. And because of that, my license had gotten suspended. I didn't know. I never received notice or anything like that. And I was visiting a family member. Upon returning, I got pulled over and I was immediately arrested, but I bonded. This means they officially arrested me on the spot and then cut me loose on the spot. I went to court and uh, when I was talking to the prosecution, I was very apologetic and said, I'll pay the fine. I'm, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. I was visiting a family member on a military base and uh, was not at home to receive any notification. And he laughed and said, so you confess. And I was like, uh, he's like, you're, you're confessing to me right now, the DA. And I was like, I just assumed this guy was a human being who would probably be like, I understand. I understand. Let's let, let me give you, you know, uh, we'll, we'll give you a fine or something. No, he, he just said, so you admit it. You're confessing to me. And I was just like, uh, okay, I guess the, the justice system doesn't care about being a human being and won't treat you like an individual. They just want to crank the numbers out. So I was like, uh, I, I, I mean, I guess, I don't know, I guess. And he was like, okay. And he was like, well, it's a year in jail for, uh, uh, you know, committing this crime, plead guilty, or we will push for the maximum penalty. And I was, I was flabbergasted to say the least. So I went to the judge and it was really funny because the judge says, you're, you're entering, entering in a plea of guilty. And I said, yes, your honor. And he goes, have you been coerced in any way into giving this plea? I said, yes, your honor. And he goes, what? And I was like, I'm sorry. And he goes, who coerced you? And I said, uh, him. <laughs> he told me that he would give you the maximum penalty. And I said, I just pled guilty. And he goes, that's not coercion. And I was like, but I didn't do anything. Like, I'm just was just driving my car. And he was like, it's not coercion if they threaten you with. I'm like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Okay threaten me. He said, get a lawyer, come back. They don't just drop the charges. That's insane. If anyone deserved to have charges dropped, in my opinion, it would have been me. But no, ultimately what the, what the guy came back to me and said was, you're going to pay a fine and we're going to, you know, and, and we're going to, and you're going to, uh, your license will be suspended. And I was like, okay. And I, I had to pay a fine and that's fine. Whatever. I get it. Ignorance of the law is no excuse for breaking it. I had never received any notification that I had had my license suspended for any reason. And I was totally confused by the whole system. You'd think a system would say, young guy had no idea what was going on. Let's be lenient and say, look, don't do it again. Pay your fee. Court supervision. Nah, they, 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 they tried their best to just say, go F yourself. And I was particularly offended because I would have been, you know, uh, I would have been able to receive my notification had I just been home. And got the mail, but I was visiting a distraught family member who, uh, you know, look, I don't want to get too personal into my, into my family's private details, but one, one of our family members was in, in the field in, in Iraq, very dangerous situation, and it was scary. And I come back to get that kind of treatment. Now we see what's happening in Portland. And I, I got to tell you, man, I see this stuff, and it, it really, really uh, is a slap in the face. The things that I went through and the things that other people go through, and yet you let these riders smash things up and you cut them loose. I'm glad the feds are stepping in. And the grand jury is going to indict him. It's not about just because I didn't get a pass. This guy, you know, shouldn't either. I don't believe in that. I th you know, when people talk about student loan debt, well, I didn't get my debt forgiven. I had to pay for it. So you should, too. I'm not a fan of that. I think if there's a problem. You fix the problem. I just think there's a difference between a court system cutting loose a rioter over and over and over again who's violent and hurting people and, and somebody who makes a, a, a simple mistake and then gets threatened with a year in jail over it. 
Yeah, the system is broken. Ladies and gentlemen, let this be the perfect example. If they're going to allow these people to leave, we've got serious issues. I think we need criminal justice reform. I think we need police reform. I think we need to humanize the process. You know why? A human process means when we look at the charges, we don't just say, you know what? You're getting the book thrown at you. We consider the individual. This guy doesn't deserve these things. This guy was a moron or this guy is a violent lunatic who needs to be locked up. Judges are supposed to do that. But too much of what we get now is district attorneys who are just like, I like Antifa, so I'm gonna let him go. And then over and over again. I'm glad this guy's getting prosecuted because he's repeatedly been arrested for these things. There's no frame up. There's no conspiracy. This dude's just a rioter. So I don't know if Donald Trump's going to solve the problem. I don't know if, you know, uh, Trump saying the FBI is going to investigate these statutes being pulled down will change anything. But I'll tell you this. I'm a fan of criminal justice reform and prison reform. I hate private prisons. I think we need less people in prisons. I think we need to end the failed drug war. And I think we need to arrest the rioters. I'll tell you what. Let's make a deal. For every Antifa that you arrest on, on, on these charges, with, with evidence, of course, and prove guilty, we just release someone who was arrested and convicted on, say, like a, a nonviolent drug-related offense, and they can take their place. That way we don't stuff our prisons. I think they'd be a great compromise. I mean, to be completely, to be completely honest, I think Trump should just pardon like the overwhelming majority of people on federal, you know, nonviolent drug charges. But there's a complicated process. They would need to review to make sure there's no violence in the history of these individuals. Biden's saying he's going to do it. Colorado did it. Trump better get on that. The the drug war has been a complete and total failure. And now I'm hearing stories of people going to going to jail for, you know, selling pot or something. And you got these dudes who keep getting released and keep rioting. Not a fan at all. That is injustice. This is not justice when people who are minding their own business are going to prison for nonviolent offenses and violent offenders are being allowed to be uh, let go over and over again. So uh, look, I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then. 15 days to slow the spread. And now it's been, I don't know, I lost count, 200 and something days. Can you guys believe it's October? Isn't that crazy? Time's flying, probably because we're locked in our homes for the most part. While in many states they are easing coronavirus lockdowns, there are still many states where they aren't. Right now in Australia, it is a nightmarish hellscape. They're saying that people got to get vaccinated before they can lift these uh, restrictions. So people won't be traveling outside the country. The lockdowns are draconian and insane. There's one video that went viral where police actually went to some woman's home and threat and arrested her because she was talking about having a protest against the coronavirus lockdown. Well, now we're actually seeing something kind of infuriating, but I'm willing to I'm willing to forgive and, and, and I'll explain why. But here's the story. The World Health Organization warns against COVID-19 lockdowns due to economic damage. Yes, Dr. David Nabarro suggests lockdowns should be a last resort only. We shut down the entire country. And now they're saying it should have just been a last resort. Who did this and why? For the most part, Democratic governors. Some Republicans did. And for the most part, they didn't. And they destroyed the economy. Talk about inept and failed leadership. Now, I'll tell you, I'm willing to be forgiving because even I thought things were going to get really, really bad when it came to COVID. And so we all agreed 15 days to slow the spread. But for some reason, people like Cuomo just decided, you know what? Let's just lock down forever, destroy our entire economy and just let things burn. And that was a ridiculous and stupid mistake. Donald Trump was enjoying the greatest economy 
uh, uh, or I should say the American people were enjoying the greatest economy we'd seen in generations. And that was under Trump. Then COVID hit. Democratic governors locked everything down. And now we are in one of the worst economies we've seen in a long time. And they're using that against Trump when he's not the one who did this. In fact, Trump was right the whole time. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it seems to happen a lot, doesn't it? I'll say something like Trump was right. But come on, man. The World Health, to quote Joe Biden, the World Health Organization is straight up saying right now, we, lockdowns should be a last resort. Well, you know, like, like YouTube said, we have to, if YouTube says it, it's the, uh, the World Health Organization. That's, that's our source. You remember that? It was like YouTube saying, if you contradict the World Health Organization, they'll ban you. Uh, I don't live in the World Health Organization. I live in the United States. So uh, I'll follow the, the, the advice of American doctors. Thank you very much for the most part. And that includes Dr. Fauci, who said we can vote in person. That's safe. Okay, but fine. You want to play that game? The World Health Organization is saying it's safe. Listen, I'm not, or I'm sorry, I'm not, not, they're not saying it's safe. They're saying the economic damage will be worse. We'll read this. But you know what? You know what you really need to see and understand? Man, Australia. Grim warning. Aussies face two years of social distancing and no overseas trips until everyone is vaccinated. Budget suggests social distancing measures will be in place until 2022. Yikes. I'm glad I am not in Australia. I have friends who are, man. I don't feel don't feel good for them. But let me read the story first from Fox News. They say the World Health Organization has warned leaders against relying on COVID-19 lockdowns to tackle outbreaks after previously saying countries should be careful how quickly they reopen. World Health Organization envoy Dr. David Nabarro said such restrictive measures should only be treated as a last resort. The British magazine The Spectator reported in a video interview, we in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as the primary means of control of this virus. The only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganize, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers who are exhausted. But by and large, we'd rather not do it. We've been hearing this the entire time. I remember when I think it was the UN that warned 250 million people in the world could starve if we went forward with these mass lockdowns. But for some reason, the media and these leftists were like, we have to lock down. You know what I love? I did a segment on the IRL podcast talking about Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, who is continually pushing for draconian lockdowns, even though the World Health Organization is saying, don't do it. Even though the state legislature voted, no, you can't do this. And the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do this. She just said, so what? And is doing it anyway. Talk about inept leadership and just outright derangement. Now, here's the good news. Look, we, we've got crazy people, you know, in government sometimes. We deal with them. The system worked. The AG just flat out said we're not going to enforce any of the, gov- any of the governor's uh, uh, edict anymore. There you go. The courts won. The courts ruled and the governor lost. But you got to be a special kind of crazy to ignore what the World Health Organization is telling you, what the UN is telling you. So I don't know what she's thinking. And I see these leftist pundits that are like, but COVID, the lockdowns are protecting us. These morons are ignoring the World Health Organization and saying they believe in science. (laughs) Nah, sorry. Navarro said tight restrictions cause significant harm, particularly on the global economy. Lockdowns just have one consequence that you must never, ever belittle, and that is making poor people an awful lot poorer. 
He added that lockdowns have severely impacted countries that rely on tourism. Just look at just look at what's happened to the tourism tour, uh, tourism industry in the Caribbean, for example, or in the Pacific because people aren't taking their holidays. Look what's happened to smallholder farmers all over the world. Look what's happening to poverty levels. It seems that we may well have a doubling of world poverty by next year. We may well have at least a doubling of child malnutrition. The UN agency previously warned countries against lifting lockdowns too soon during the first wave of the virus. The last thing any country needs to do is open schools and businesses only to be forced to close them again because of a resurgence, said Director General Tedros Adhanom uh, Ghebreyesus. But Tedros had urged countries to bolster other measures, including widespread testing and contact tracing, so they could safely reopen and avoid future lockdowns. We need to reach a sustainable situation where we have adequate control of this virus without shutting down our lives entirely or lurching from lockdown to lockdown which has a largely detrimental impact on societies, he said. And this is where we ultimately end up. Australia. Australia, the World Health Organization is telling you not to lock your people up like this. Not, not to have these shutdowns. They're the last resort. This is crazy. Let's, uh, you may have seen what's going on in Australia. I've got some really dire stuff to show you. I mean, suicide rates are going up in some places because of this. We need to take the problem very seriously. Here's the story from the Daily Mail. The federal budget has some grim news for most Australians hoping the pandemic to end soon and life to return to normal. The government is predicting Australia's population won't be vaccinated until the end of 2021, which means overseas travel will remain low until then, and social distancing measures will be kept in place. However, the federal government expects every state border to be open by Christmas except in Western Australia, which it believes will keep its border closed until after its state election on March 31st, 2021. Overseas travel has been banned since March, and it remains unclear when it will resume. If you are in Australia, you can't leave. And therefore, it's mandatory vaccination. Wow. And you can't leave. It's become, uh, I don't know, what's what's the right word for this? Ironic? No. Uh, I don't know. Australia is becoming like kind of like a prison colony, huh? How about that? Let me show you what's going on over in the U.S., the New York Times reports over $150,000 in fines issued on first weekend of new New York City lockdown. Wait, 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 new New York City lockdown? Didn't the World Health Organization just say not to do this? Gee, I wonder what Bill de Blasio is doing and why he's doing it. Have y'all been paying attention to what's been happening in New York City with the Orthodox Jewish community? Well, Cuomo and de Blasio are like, oh, it's this this one group of people that's causing all of these problems. Yeah, we're going to have to go and arrest them, which they did. They said it was a hot spot. They said in these areas where the Jewish community lives, it's a hot spot. There's multiple hot spots. We got to lock them down. Except most of the hot spots were just in Jewish neighborhoods. And many of the hot spots that weren't didn't get locked down. Makes you makes you makes you wonder what's going on in New York City. When we've got two big stories, first, you've got the black that Black Lives Matter rioters went around with impunity. And when the Jewish community comes out protesting, they get arrested, shut down, fined. And then the other story is the World Health Organization saying do not lock down unless it's a last resort. And New York saying we're going to do it anyway, but specifically, you know, the Jewish areas. I tell you, man, it seems like everything's really just falling apart because this is a whole new level of insane. Now, look, I know Australia stuff sounds scary, but I think we need to focus on. I, I'm, look, I'm an American, so I want to focus on America. 
But I want to show you some stories that I think are particularly important. We'll come back to this one real quick. First, where, where, where are the reopenings happening? New cases are growing in the purple. You know, I, I have a map here showing all the states. New cases are shrinking. In California, where cases are shrinking, California's restrictions remain unchanged. That in New Jersey, where cases are growing, restrictions are easing. None of this makes sense. This is the stu- <laughs> stupidest thing I've seen. Now, look, Illinois has seen more cases, but they're easing restrictions. So in a lot of places, it does uh, not make sense. California is the weirdest. I have to wonder if cases are going down in California, but they're not easing up on their restrictions. You have to wonder what the goal really is. And if New Jersey is starting to release them, but the cases are going up, clearly it's not about COVID, isn't it? Let me show you this story from The Economist. Will the economic and psychological costs of COVID-19 increase suicides? It is too early to say, but the signs are ominous. Yeah, the signs are here. First, drastic rise in Malawi's suicide rate linked to COVID economic downturn. Lack of specialist support and growing unemployment are factors in growing mental health crisis, doctors say. Now, this is a global development over at The Guardian. It's not America, but I still think it's very important. The lockdowns were bad for everybody. But I'll tell you where it is affecting us. Army sees sharp increase in suicides during coronavirus pandemic. This is from CNN. This is the Army. The U.S. Army has seen worrisome increase in soldier deaths by suicide since March, raising questions about whether troops feeling isolated due to the coronavirus pandemic may be a contributing factor. CNN has learned the major the monthly number of suicides in the active duty army since March, when the impact of the pandemic began uh, began to be felt, was above the five year average of the monthly totals for the force. As of August 31st, the active duty force has had 114 suicides compared to 88 in the same time period uh, during 2019. 114 deaths is the highest number in the first eight months of the year since 2012. The total rate of suicides is especially troubling to the army because for active duty soldiers alone, it was 36 per 100,000 so far in 2020 compared to 30.6 the year before. For the total armed forces, including the Guard and the Reserve Forces, there were 200 suicides by August 31st of this year compared to 166 for the same period in 2019. The highest number of suicides occurred in Jan- in July with 35 cases or more than one suicide every day. I don't think the politicians care about us. I'll tell you what I think. I think these politicians don't care about the World Health Organization. I don't think they care about the CDC. I think what happened was we all decided 15 days to slow the spread. And then we were going to reopen. But the stories of death started to pile up. And these politicians, notably Democrats, who will probably say anything to get elected, decided I would rather not take the blame. And they gave in to fear. And that fear is causing untold economic damage. It's resulting in the Jewish community being unfairly targeted. And it's resulting in suicides, starvation, the collapse of our economy around the world. And the World Health Organization, a UN organization, is warning us of this. So what's happening is these Democratic governors can always just blame COVID for the lockdown. They can say it's not our fault. There's a deadly pandemic. You can't do anything about it because they know that if as soon as they lift the restrictions, anyone that dies, they're going to get blamed for. So they would rather let the world rot than take any responsibility. Now, in the case of Gretchen Whitmer, I think she's just a despot. You know, she's someone who's desperately tried. Now, now she's like, you know, in a straight jacket in a room screaming about lockdowns that no one cares about. She's effectively lost her powers in this regard. It's a good thing. Hey, the system worked. And those crazy guys that wanted to, you know, kidnap her were just that were crazy. So I'm glad the FBI stopped them. But she's nuts. The system stopped her. Congratulations. 
And it's stupid that the FBI had to stop these, these guys who wanted to arrest her as, as they claimed. You shouldn't do that. It's what we have law enforcement for, to make sure that a neutral agreed upon set of individuals go and enforce the law. And then we can have a, 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 you know, a court trial. In the instance of Whitmer, she's been stripped of her powers more than once. And now the AG will not uphold it. Congratulations. It's, it's, it's ending. Now, as for New York, check out what's happening there. Authorities cracked down this weekend on some of the city's coronavirus hotspots, issuing more than 60 summonses and tens of thousands of dollars in fines to people, businesses, and houses of worship that had not followed newly imposed restrictions on gatherings or mask wearing and social distancing requirements. Among those issued a summons by the New York City Sheriff were a restaurant and at least five houses of worship in the city's red zones, where coronavirus infection rates are the highest. Each of these locations was given a summons that could result in up to $15,000 in fines, said Sheriff Joseph Fusudo. In total, officials issued 62 tickets and more than $150,000 in fines during the first weekend the new restrictions were in effect, the New York City government Twitter account said on Sunday. I want you to imagine this. Your business was destroyed by COVID lockdowns. Not by COVID. Let's say you sell hard goods that don't get tainted. Well, your store that sells, I don't know, luxury shirts was shut down. Sorry, you can't have your business open. COVID, 15 days to slow the spread. Yeah, I get it. Well, that turned into 16. That turned into 200 plus. Now your business is frozen. Along comes some rioters who smashed up and just wiped out your business. They destroyed everything. They stole everything. Was was there any um, penance? Karmic justice? No. The DA let many of these people go. And that's what was happening around the country. Now, imagine, if you will, your business gets destroyed by COVID. You're watching Walmart and Amazon flourish. The rioters smash up what was left of your store. And now you have nothing. And so they start easing up these restrictions and you say, now I'm going to reopen my business. You fix the glass. You start working on your new storefront and you're saying, we're going to get product back in. I have very little money. I take a, had to take out a loan to buy these things I needed to make the store work. And then the city says, now nah, we're going to lock down again. At this point, if you still live in New York, you must have lost your mind. Imagine then they come to your store and they issue a fine of $15,000. You've already seen everything destroyed. What is wrong with these people. This is why I got away from the cities, man. It's not just that the riots and the chaos and all that stuff's happening. There's a, a hard breakdown in the function of our cities. I mean, New York is a shell of its former self. I love these videos from leftists that walk around the wealthy areas laughing like, everything's fine. And I'm like, dude, you're in the Upper West Side. It's where the rich people live. Of course, they're getting service. Have you bothered to go to central Brooklyn? Oh, yeah, because someone would, 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 would steal your stuff because they're getting desperate down there or because people are fleeing. Look at this. They go on to say the city is wrestling with its most acute pandemic crisis since the virus first swept through the five boroughs in March. Since mid-August, city and state officials say large gatherings and lack social distancing have caused, caused a surge in new cases in pockets of Brooklyn and Queens, many of them in Orthodox Jewish neighborhoods. The spike prompted Governor Andrew M. Cuomo to issue new restrictions on large gatherings, and non-essential businesses in certain parts of the city. Now I have a question. What makes them think the surge is happening in the Orthodox Jewish community? Do, uh, so are there Orthodox Jewish individuals that are going in for regular testing? And that's how they're tracking this? I mean, it's a fair question. I, I assume maybe the answer is yes. But if the Orthodox, Orthodox community is at odds with what the city is doing, I can't imagine they're going to just give in to the demands of, uh, you know, the, the, the governor, the mayor, and go f go for testing that would result in their synagogues being locked down. So it just seems like the whole thing is weird to me. 
But again, I'll stress when it comes to the Jewish community in New York, there's many hotspots that aren't being targeted. And so you have to wonder why they're arresting certain people and targeting certain areas. Maybe that's just it. Maybe that really is just it. Maybe if the World Health Organization is saying don't use these lockdowns and Governor Cuomo is insisting on them anyway, maybe he's just using it as, as an excuse to target communities he doesn't like. Look, I'll tell you straight up, I think Cuomo and de Blasio are overt anti-Semites. And I, I, I don't use that word. Uh, uh, I, I would rarely, you know, call someone a bigot of, of some sort because I think it's a, it's, a, it's a tired argument. But again, I think it is important to point out when so like the leftists are white supremacists with guilty consciences. And then you see people like Bill de Blasio, an overt progressive, and he's, he's, his police are targeting the Jewish community. You see, I, I can't speak for Cuomo. He's not a far leftist. But I got to say, it is really weird, isn't it? The guidelines say don't do it. That's from the World Health Organization we're supposed to be agree- agreeing with. The, uh, the businesses are already suffering. They're not targeting every hotspot. And they're going after Jew- Jewish people. I'm sorry, man. I think we can see exactly what's going on. There's no reason for them to be locking down, but they're doing it anyway. Now, Australia's got it worse, let me tell you. Australia's got it the worst, and I'm glad I'm not there. But I had some friends who were there, Americans, and I told them, like, you better get out of there. As soon as all this was going down, I was like, get on a plane right now. Otherwise, you will find yourself trapped. You can't leave. Vaccines are mandatory. This country has lost its mind. But how long until it comes here? We're lucky. I am eternally grateful to the founding fathers for the Bill of Rights and for declaring independence. Because if we didn't break off from the, the, you know, the great British Empire, we would be like Canada. We would be like uh, Australia and New Zealand, the draconian lockdowns. But we said no. We drafted a constitution. And then out of fear of uh, overarching federal authority, we drafted a Bill of Rights. There are originally 17 provisions in the Bill of Rights, and it was whittled down to 10. I think it was whittled down to 12, and then, to, and then they dropped two of them, and it became 10. Some changes. It's really interesting. You should look at the original 17 articles that were then condensed down to 12. Some were gotten rid of. And then we see the uh, ultimately, we have, we have the 10 amendments to the Constitution that came afterwards. We had a Constitution, and then later they're like, yo, we need to amend this and like put all these things in it because we don't want the government to be able to do this kind of stuff. The Constitution... And the Bill of Rights have become Swiss cheese. There are holes in many different areas of it. Our rights are being threatened every single day. In Michigan and Pennsylvania, the COVID lockdowns have been ruled unconstitutional. What New York do, New York is doing is beyond reprehensible, especially in who they're targeting with what they're doing. The lawsuits are the path to solving this. But I will tell you one, one last thing. Donald Trump has been right the whole time. He's opposed the lockdowns. And now we're hearing from the UN again, the lockdowns are bad. There are some countries that didn't lock down that seem to be doing fine. This was a mistake. It was supposed to be a 15-day thing to slow the spread so our hospitals weren't overwhelmed. How are we still here? Certain states still have not reopened movie theaters. You know what's really crazy? I'll tell you what. I was looking at movie theater listings, and the theaters are playing old movies. And I'm like, what is this? They're playing Harry Potter I'm like, on, the, on the theater screen? I just realized no movies are getting released. So yeah, they're, they're not releasing new movies. So movie theaters have to do old ones. Isn't that crazy? I think it's about time we ended this lockdown and realized, you know, we, we, we have to take the advice of the UN, of the World Health Organization.
But I don't think New York is interested in that. I think New York has other motives. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. It is my main channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then. Republicans are doing Joe Biden's work for him. Is that so, Washington Post? What kind of person wrote an article like this? Come on, spare me. Jennifer Rubin. Bravo. You guys know Jennifer Rubin? She is the conservative that agrees with every Democrat and constantly just writes about how Trump is losing. And it is such an obvious grift, man. You know, they, 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 they tried to call me a grifter because I recently said I was voting for Trump, I guess, or because I don't like Democrats. I've never been in politics. I'm not a political person. I wasn't a staunch Democrat marching around waving a Democrat flag and then one day saying, oh, look, I can say Trump and make money. It's never been the case. I was always very libertarian on many issues, and I was defending the right of protesters during Occupy and criticizing Antifa during Occupy. We called them Black Bloc. My opinions have stayed the same. The only people who are, who are calling them out now, it's Trump and the Republicans. Surprise, surprise. But let me, let, me, let me tell you something. When Jennifer Rubin says the Republicans are doing Joe Biden's work for him, I have to say you got this one wrong. Joe Biden is doing Republicans' work for them. Don't believe me? I love it. Biden says majority of Americans who say they are better off probably shouldn't vote for him. Okay, Joe, are you kidding? This is not the first time Joe Biden has told people not to vote for him. Is he even trying to win? Oh, Joe, 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 Joe. From the Daily Caller, Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden said Monday that Americans who feel they are better off today under President Donald Trump than they were four years ago under former President Barack Obama shouldn't vote for Biden. During a campaign stop in Cincinnati, Ohio, WKRC Local 12 reporter Kyle Inskeep asked Biden. Gallup reported last week 56% of Americans said they were better off today than they were four years ago. That would have been under the Obama-Biden administration. So why should people who feel that they are better off today under the Trump administration vote for you? Well, if they think that, they probably shouldn't, Biden. <laughs> Come on, Biden, are you trying to win? Biden incorrectly repeated the percentage in the poll and suggested Americans have faulty memories. They think 54% of the American people believe they're better off economically today than they were under our administration. Well, their memory is not very good, quite frankly, Biden said. He goes on to insult them. Dude, Jim Cramer, best numbers of our lives. We know that the Donald Trump economy was great. What, 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 what kind of weird parallel universe did Joe Biden live in? I'm going to be I'm going to be honest. Retirement. Yeah. Joe Biden lived in retirement. He was out. He was done. Why is he running today? Honestly, I have no idea. But uh, he's wrong. People today know that the economy was really, really good. Right now, Joe, uh, Donald Trump is polling better than Biden on economics. So for him to say they shouldn't vote for me and they have bad memories is just I got to say, I'm impressed. Talk about trying to lose. I wonder if the Democrats are trying to lose, but to make it seem like they're trying to win. As a polling suggested that Americans were optimistic about the economy at that time. A December 2019 CNN survey revealed that 76% of those polled said the economy was either very or somewhat good. However, Biden is consistently leading in all polls leading up to the November 3rd presidential election. Trump is even trailing the former vice president in an Investor's Business Daily survey released Monday that indicated 51.9% of likely voters support for Biden and 43.4% for Trump. The remainder of respondents said they would be supporting a third-party candidate. 
the investor's business daily firm, was one of only two to correctly predict Trump's electoral victory in 2016. And I think Rasmussen has Trump down substantially as well, at least in approval. We can only we can only wait and see. I got to say, though, I kind of think, you know, I, I feel like Trump's going to lose. I do. And I, I understand it goes back and forth. And a lot of people are like, oh, you said this last time. You said this this time. Well, well hear me out. Right now, Donald Trump's debate performance wasn't all that great. There are a lot of reasons to believe culturally that Trump will win. And it's scary to think that Biden will win. But I think you've got a lot of uninitiated people who are likely going to vote. However, that being said, I'm speaking to you on a very uh, general basis. If you took all Democrats and all Republicans and put them in a voting booth, I think Trump would lose. That's not what's happening, though. Thanks to the likes of uh, Jennifer Rubin or otherwise, they have royally screwed their own voter base. Like I said, trying to lose, but make it seem like they're trying to win. I bring you back to Jennifer Rubin of The Washington Post, saying the Republicans are doing the job for the Democrats. Here's what she says. The irony of President Trump's fear-mongering about mail-in ballots is that an unprecedented level of early voting appears to be underway. Close to 10 million ballots have already been cast for the presidential Senate, House, and down-ballot down races. There has also been a huge turnout in Georgia, which is a, in, a, in a dead heat in the presidential and two Senate races. But hurting voters to in-person voting during a pandemic is just one of the many errors the Trump campaign has made as it careens toward the end of arguably the worst run presidential presidential campaign since George McGovern's in 1972. And believe it or not, 538 is saying that they believe the the greatest likelihood, the the, the highest percentage outcome, not not the greatest likelihood, but it's like 22%. I think they were saying this is it's going to be like 430 electoral votes for Biden. That's their prediction. But Trump, McGovern, I don't know. The inverse is true. Let me tell you, Trump's fear mongering about mail-in ballots was a good idea because the Democrat, uh, the mail-in voters for Democrats are going to be disqualified. They're making mistakes. The, the margin of error is higher. You need to vote in person. Some people are microwaving their ballots. She says it is far from clear how much in-person campaigning Trump is doing in the coming weeks, but he is pulling ads down in key states and has walked away from the debate plan for Thursday. He is helping former, former Vice President Joe Biden, who has a double-digit national lead, and comfortable leads in states that will get him beyond 270 electoral votes right out the clock. This is, a clo- this, this is as close to a unilateral surrender, both of visibility and incumbency, as we have ever seen in a presidential race. Trump is in a defensive crouch, just as he, he, he needs to, to change the entire trajectory of the race. It is not hard to figure out how he got there. Trump gave up on negotiating a second COVID-19 stimulus plan. As a result, he is not doing the one thing that could demonstrate that he cares about the lives of Americans and takes the pandemic seriously. Well, Democrats try to argue Trump never wanted to be president. And based on what she's writing, she's got a good framing that Trump doesn't actually want to win. But she's missing a few key details. Trump didn't spend that much money on ads in 2016 either. And that's maybe one of the reasons they argue Trump didn't really want to win. I don't believe it. I mean, you watch Trump rally. He means it. He's saying it. Maybe he didn't think he was going to win. I don't know. But Trump was granted all of this free press. I think if Trump didn't want to win, he wouldn't be trying to win. And just because he's pulling down ads doesn't mean that. It could mean, well, to be honest, that Trump doesn't have a lot of money. I don't know if that's true, though. And I think what you're seeing here from Jennifer Rubin, to be completely fair, is her interpretation of the facts as she sees them. I often give mine. I think she's wrong. 
I think Joe Biden is actively telling people not to vote for him and it's going to pay off. People aren't going to vote for him. I think Joe Biden is a crackpot old crony who is demented. And I can't imagine a scenario where he actually wins, because what would that mean for our country? President Kamala Harris. Maybe actually I'll take that back. Maybe that is the one scenario that makes sense. We had Nancy Pelosi prepare the 25th Amendment, allowing the removal of the president. And she said it wasn't for Trump. The the election's coming up and Biden's going to win. It's for future presidents. Yeah, it's for Joe Biden. They're going to remove Joe Biden and that'll be the end of it. Maybe that's the real plan. Not that they think they're going to. Well, actually, they may be doing the 25th thing because they think they're going to lose and they want to retain powers of, of impeachment long after they lose control of the House. I don't know. I look, I, I think there's a lot to criticize Jennifer Rubin over, but I'll tell you this. The left compares me similarly to Jennifer Rubin. I don't think that's fair considering I was never a staunch Democrat. You know, she was a conservative columnist. Now she's just pro-Democrat. I was never pro-Democrat columnist. In fact, I laughed. I wasn't going to vote for Obama or Hillary Clinton. I voted for Obama one time and then got angry about it. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I was like 18 or something. I was like 20, I was 20 years old, I think. So I, I don't, I don't necessarily fit that bill. But what I'll say is, I think you should read what she has to say. And I think I bring it up for a good reason. I disagree with it. And it's important to see what your, your opponents are talking about because you might miss something. It is true. Trump is pulling down ads. Uh, maybe that's a sign that Trump knows he's, he's, he's losing. And he's going to save money. There's also stories coming out that the Senate is looking to dump money into, uh, I'm sorry, the Republicans are looking to dump money into the Senate and wealthy donors are dumping their money into the Senate, not Trump, because they think Trump is going to lose. But you got to pay attention to what happened last time. Demoralization. There's one big difference between now and 2016. People hated Hillary Clinton and people hated Trump, but people hated Trump less than they hated Hillary Clinton. People don't care about Joe Biden. I think that's a Democrat play, obviously. Why is Joe Biden hiding? They don't care. They're not trying to sell you Joe Biden at all. They're not. They're trying to sell you hate Trump. So long as they hate Biden the least, they'll beat Trump because people are going to go out and they're going to vote for him just because they don't like Donald Trump. However, I talked to a lot of people recently, and it sounds like everyone's just saying they're voting for Trump. Moderates, independents. That's why I think even though even though we're looking at all of this data that says he's going to lose, doesn't it feel like he's going to win? Isn't that weird? You have these polls where people say they will vote for Biden, but they think Trump will win. And so you have something like 56% of people saying they're voting for Biden, but 56% of people thinking Trump will win. It's like some weird numbers like this. Maybe Trump's going to win. It could be that these people who are giving these polls are just lying. They're saying, oh, I'm going to vote for Biden, but they're really not. Let me tell you something. Let me wrap this up. If Joe Biden keeps coming out and telling people not to vote for him, I'll, tell, I'll take your word for it, Joe. You tell me not to vote for you, I won't. Look, I'm doing better than I was last year, uh, in the past four years. I think I know a lot of people who are doing really, really well. I know a lot of people are hurting because of COVID. We'll see how it plays out. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. So following up on the segment I just did, why I don't believe that Joe Biden can actually win. Well, right from Trump's mouth. Joe's only going to get worse. Trump accuses Biden of having dementia after he forgets that Mormon senator, Mitt Romney's name, and again says he's running for Senate. <laughs> I can't. How do you vote for someone who doesn't know what office they're running for? Could you imagine like your mayor is like bumbling about, doesn't remember the name of his, of, you know, of, of, of you know, one of his, one of the party's past rivals, and then just 
says they're running as, I don't know, comptroller, you'd be like, aren't you running for the mayor? You're running for Senate? Joe, uh, let's, let's read. Donald Trump claimed Tuesday that since Democratic nominee Joe Biden could not remember Mitt Romney's name Monday when referencing the Republican senator, he must have dementia. Mitt can't be thrilled. Here we go. Mitt can't be thrilled about this. Joe also said yesterday he's running for the U.S. Senate again and totally forgot where he was. Wrong state. Joe has never been a nice or kind guy. So it's easier to find this obvious and rapidly getting worse dementia unacceptable for the USA. Okay, man. I think Trump's right, but I'm not going to be mean about it. That's it's it, it, it legit sad. I was look. I was watching an old video from the 90s of Joe Biden doing his thing in the Senate Judiciary Committee. I think he was talking to Clarence Thomas. And it was really crazy to see a young and, uh, um, you know, confident Joe Biden talking to Clarence Thomas. Let me tell you. And I'm just like, wow, Joe Biden used to be that. It's kind of sad, you know, people get old and they lose their their abilities and they lose their cognitive abilities. And Joe Biden's a very, very old man. Probably was a strapping young man getting in a fight, uh, you know, fisticuffs or pugilism, whatever they called it back in the day, with the old corn pop down at the uh, swimming hole. You know, there was a time when Joe Biden had it. And it, and it, and it is sad. I'm not going to drag it. You know, look, we're all going to get old one day. I don't look, we're all going to get old one day. We're all going to be feeble. And that's just a, that's the way the life goes to see Joe Biden not know what state he's in, think he's running for the Senate and then not know Mitt Romney's name. He was clearly having a bout, man. Like he was having a bout of, of some kind of dementia. He's he, it's it's like early on. It's like I don't, I don't want to say it's early onset because he's old. It's like the early stages. Uh, and, and Trump's right. It's only going to get worse. How do you vote for this guy? How do you justify this to me? Look, man, Donald Trump is a lot of things and a lot of bad things. But the dude is spry. I don't I, oh, you know, look. I'll take the win on the Middle Eastern peace deal, on, on the peace deals and the withdrawing our troops, hands down. I'll take the good economy, but I'm not happy. I think we could do better as a country, but I don't know what's going on. I think Trump's a funny guy. I think he's an entertainer, but I do think he brings this level of vitriol to the, to the presidency. I'm not a fan of. I was, I was just talking to some Republican dudes who said they, that's the one thing they just don't like. They just wish that Donald Trump would chill out. You know, Joe has never been a nice or kind guy. Look, there's a silly thing that we do when someone dies. We pretend like we always loved them. And I, and, and I know it's kind of dumb, but it is. When John McCain died, and you guys know I'm, my thing is like peace, war is bad. Uh, John McCain is a bad guy. <laughs> He's a bad guy, okay? But I pay my respects for the service he provided, even though I disagree with it, because I think that's what we have to do as a country to recognize uh, the compromise. And what we do and, and what we have to accept to live together. I think John McCain was horrible. I think he was a warmonger and it was awful. But I do think, I don't think he, uh, I, I think he thought he was doing the right thing. And I think he was doing the wrong thing. And I think he was bad and awful. And I didn't like him. But when people die, you, you pay their respects. When I see Trump, he kind of throws decorum out the window. Now, I understand people like that. And I can respect it because it is it is nice to finally see someone kind of attack that symbol that the media establishment, the crony political establishment, it feels good to finally have someone in your corner. So I can respect that. I'm not saying Trump shouldn't do it, but that, that there is that level of, 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 you know, anger and disdain that I wish we didn't have. I get it, though. I get it. But I look at Joe Biden. I don't necessarily think he's deserving of any favors. And I'm worried about where this all heads. 
But uh, let, 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 me, let me get back on track with you for a minute. This is this is insane from Joe Biden. You know, when, when he when he normally gaffs and says something like, I'm in Vermont, and they're like, you're in New Hampshire. Oh, I'm in New Hampshire. I mean, that I can excuse that if he lands on a private plane and he comes out, and he goes, hey, Pennsylvania. And they're like, you're actually in Jersey. Oh, New Jersey. It could just be that he got confused about where he was. And sometimes that happens. You know, I'm sure that a lot of the campaign stops he does he's got a big list and he doesn't know exactly where he's landing next and he mixes them up. That's fine. And I'm sure sometimes it's probably because his noggin ain't too good and he misses, you know, and forgets. And it's kind of a bad thing. What we're looking at here is Mitt Romney's name, the location and the office he is running for. Please, America. This guy, with all due respect, I'm trying to be respectful. You see, that's what I'm criticizing Trump saying, please be nice. I'm saying, please be nice to Joe Biden. But come on, please recognize he ain't all there. I'm not trying to be mean to the guy. I say Trump launched an early morning tweet spree, Twitter spree on Tuesday, where he sent out more than 50 tweets and retweets in less than two hours. In one tweet, he brought up Biden's refusal to answer questions on whether he would pack the Supreme Court and demanded he release a list of who he would consider nominating as a justice should he become president and get the chance. He must create a list like I did, Trump tweeted. Always considered most important presidential decision, voters entitled to know. Two Supreme Court justices Gorsuch and Kavanaugh were nominated and confirmed under Trump. Amy Coney Barrett, if confirmed, uh, she would be the unprecedented, unprecedented third nominee to make it through in Trump's first term. That is absolutely insane. Jeez. He also took, uh, uh, took aim at the small turnout for Biden's campaign event in Toledo. I have a question. Somebody asked on Twitter, it's a good point. Why does Joe Biden need to fly around the country going to events with six people that don't ask questions? For real. Why uh, did I say Trump? Why is Biden going to Toledo where no one shows up? He can just go online and do it. If nobody's going to show up, what's the point? Why is he in these places? That's weird, isn't it? He comes out of the plane. He stands in front of a few reporters then he gets back on the plane and leaves. This is a weird year, man. None of this. This is all. Nothing <laughs> makes sense. During Trump's rally in Florida Monday night, he mocked his Democrat rival for stating he was running for Senate. <laughs> Joe Biden said it twice. Using the momentary lapse as more evidence of his claim that Biden is unfit for office. I agree. I do. Could you imagine Joe Biden negotiating with Kim Jong-un and being like, oh, we're, we're here because we're going to be delivering, uh, uh, you know, f- five pallets of food to the starving North Korean people. And we got the five... Uh, the five or uh, what, what, what was it? What was it? The five, the five things we were going to give you, Kim. And then Kim's like a nuclear warheads. And he goes, uh, the, the five nuclear warheads. And I don't really think that's going to happen. That's very Monty Python esque or just like, you know, but the point I'm making is, could you imagine Joe Biden fumbling his word and then making a bad or faulty deal because he's not all there? Donald Trump's not perfect either. Dude, 74. Trump 74 has made age and frequent gaffes of Biden 77, a recurring, a recurrent line of attack in his campaign against the former vice president. What is it? California hired a pure sleepy Joe Democrat firm to count and harvest votes. No way Republican Republicans can get a fair shake. Lawyers get started. California's in big trouble. Vote Trump and watch the greatest comeback of them all. Also, New York and Illinois go for it. I don't know. I don't, apparently the polling for Reagan, I was seeing this was bad for him too. Like Carter was supposed to win and then he lands, it was a landslide in the direction. Maybe the media is full of it. Maybe it's all lies. Camp, uh, campaigning in Toledo on Monday, Biden provided the president with yet more fodder as he addressed United Auto Workers who represent a local General Motors powertrain plant. Biden spoke in a parking lot with about 30 Americans, 30 American made cars and trucks arrayed nearby. 
So, so not people. You know, we have to come together. That's why I'm running. I'm running as a proud Democrat for the Senate. <laughs> when I ran as a proud Democrat for vice president, what? And I'm running as a proud Democrat for president. Oh, oh, oh. Maybe he gaffed. I guess what they're saying is that he said, that's why I'm running. I'm running as a proud Democrat. He meant to say when I ran as a, is, is that it? I want to be fair in my criticisms of Biden's gaffes, but let me, let me just stop right there and say, regardless of what the full context is, uh, it's important. What did he, look at this. What does he say? I'm running as a proud Democrat for the Senate. Sleepy Joe Biden. <laughs> it's only going to get worse. It is not sustainable for our country. China will own us. Look, man, this may be out of context. It's, a, it's very important. Um, but Joe Biden's a gaffe machine. He's a straight up gaffe machine. That's it. I mean, what else can you really say about the guy? It's kind of scary to me that we've come to a point where you've got Donald Trump, people really don't like, and you've got Joe Biden, who's just not all there. This is our choice. Listen, for all the criticism that I can give to Donald Trump for his behavior, the things he says, for some of his policies early on, for the people he's hired, the mistakes he's made, we've got a, a couple, a past couple of years of a great economy, of uh, uh, lowering military uh, tensions, our troops coming back. There's a good reason, uh, a really, really good reason to support Donald Trump. I don't vote for the lesser of two evils. I think Donald Trump's got problems, but I think he's okay. And I think on foreign policy, he's actually pretty good now that he's gotten rid of John Bolton. And I can respect that 100%. In which case, I will not allow a Joe Biden to get in there and, re and recreate the, the remnants of the previous administration. More importantly, I know you, you probably hear me ramble on the Middle Eastern stuff a, a bit because the war is, is bad. Come on. Joe Biden is not capable. He couldn't remember Mitt Romney's name. Okay, maybe that happens. Said he's running for the Senate. Maybe it's out of context. He forgot where he was. Come on, man. A hat trick. I'm going to go ahead and say, I think, I think Joe's just going to get worse. I vote for Kamala, I guess. I don't know. At least I guess she'll be president or something. I'll leave it there. I got one more segment in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. Well, the NYPD is busy arresting Jewish people for daring to protest their religious discrimination from the city. We have Rick Moranis getting attacked. We have a woman being assaulted by a guy who got out of prison. And we have a, a renowned jazz pianist might never play again. Why? Crime. Crime. The Jewish community is protesting in New York over these lockdown measures because they're specifically targeting the Jewish community. Of all the hotspots, it would seem that the governor and the mayor are targeting the Orthodox Jewish community more so. In a, in a, a letter uh, I was reading recently from Ron Coleman, a lawyer, he basically says, you've got all these hotspots, but the, 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 uh, the lockdown measures are on more so the Jewish community than the rest of these, basically showing this bias. And what do we get? I, I couldn't believe it when I saw this story. I might never play again. Renowned Japanese jazz pianist, Tadataka Uno, is robbed of his ability to play after being beaten up by teens at Harlem subway station. Tada Taka, oh no, 40, was exiting a New York City subway station when he was set upon. They say he may never be able to play again, was exiting the West 135th Street, St. Nicholas Avenue subway on September 27th when suspects, suspects blocked the turnstiles and confronted him. The muse musician attempted to walk around the group, but was yelled at and pushed from behind. He was eventually punched in the face and body. According to a GoFundMe page set up on behalf of Uno by his friend Jerome Jennings, the assailants broke his right collarbone and bruised his head and body. Wow. 
According to Ono's wife, racial slurs were also yelled during the attack. But police say no anti-Asian remarks were indicated in the report, but the investigation is ongoing. Ono was rushed to Harlem Hospital where he underwent surgery on his shoulder. I had no idea why I was shoved. One of them pointed at me and said, this guy just pushed me to his peer, to her peers. That was not true. One of the others said she's pregnant, as if to imply that I just attacked a pregnant person. Ono said, I might never play again. The trauma, both, both physical and mental, are severe, and I have no timeline for a full recovery. Ono said he is completely unable to use his right arm following the attack. Jennings, an instructor at the Juilliard School and a good friend of Ono, says he is now suffering mentally and physically and is unable to play his instrument, which is his sole income. He's going to need some type of cushion to not worry about it, the medical bills, and is going to need therapy, Jennings told CBS Local. On the GoFundMe page, he writes, my name's Jerome Jennings, and I am a drummer, educator, and band leader based out of Montclair, New Jersey. This is a guy. He got attacked. I first met Tada in Japan, and I've known him and his wife for over 15 years. We have played together all over the world. We are both friends and colleagues. I have known Tada to be one of the kindest and gentlest souls. Four months ago, Tada and his wife Sayaka welcomed a new baby into the world. Your donations will go towards emergency medical bills, physical therapy, rent, utilities, groceries, mental health support, taxis, moving expenses— in order to move to a neighborhood where they feel safer. Move out of New York, man. Here's a tweet from Scott M. Stringer. He says, this is, this is horrific. In absolutely no place in New York City. We can't tolerate acts of hate. And we must fight bigotry on all fronts. My thoughts are with Tadataka Ono and his family as he recovers. Wow. I seem to recall talking about how crime is getting worse in New York City. Lethal crime for the most part. Certain crimes are going down. And now we can see stories like this. And this was a viral meme. Rick Moranis, victim of unprovoked attack caught on camera in Manhattan. Why? Why is this happening? Pathetic leadership. I guess AOC wants to imply that many of these people just need bread for their homes, but they're just punching people and beating people. Why is this happening? I don't know, man. But I think New York is in serious trouble. I was talking about it earlier. This, uh, these guys... This guy did a video from like the Upper West Side where he's filming himself saying, oh, New York's so bad. Oh, no. What do I do? Look, people are eating ice cream and having dinner. Don't watch Fox News. Remember that video? That sickens me. This guy might never play piano again. They busted up his arm. That's that's horrifying. And for what? For what reason? Remember the story of the young woman who is uh, she was going to college and some like 13 year olds killed her. She was stabbed several times. Why? What's happening in New York? Why is it turning back into like the 70s or 80s or whatever? They dealt with crime, but they elected this Bill de Blasio and things have just fallen apart. I was talking to somebody recently lives in California, moderate individual saying Newsom has just burned the state to the ground. When will these people learn? You can't, you, you, you've got to break the cycle. You can't just keep voting for these people. Now, you had an independent mayor of New York. You had a, uh, I think Giuliani was, was, was a Republican mayor of New York. That to me is really interesting that New York would elect a Republican, you know? Could that even happen today? They elect Bill de Blasio. They elect Cuomo as governor. And this is the kind of stuff we get. This, is, when, this story's from the third. NYPD confirms actor Rick Moranis was at randomly at random attack. Police said it happened in broad daylight just before 7.30 a.m. at Central Park West. Surveillance cameras captured the attack on a 67-year-old Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Ghostbusters actor. Video shows the suspect ironically wearing an I Love New York sweatshirt 
walk up and punch Moranis in the head, knocking him to the ground. Police said Moranis went to the hospital with pain in his head, back and hip. He later walked to the precinct to report the crime. The NYPD's new community affairs rapid response team checked on Moranis, as it does with many victims of violent crimes to offer support, groceries or anything they may need. He's doing well. He's strong. He's recovering. He has some injuries on his left side. He just wants to stay home. He just wants to recover and he just wants peace of mind. uh, Meantime, the search continues for the suspect. Police are asking the public to be on the lookout. Here's another. Wow. I don't even want to play this video. NYPD hunts predator who assaulted a woman 20 in Manhattan's West Village at 2.30 a.m. and told her, I have a gun and just got out of jail. The 20-year-old woman was walking near the intersection of Barrow and Greenwich uh, around 2.30 a.m. on Sunday when a stranger accosted her from behind. According to the NYPD, the man pushed the victim to the ground. The woman was alone after walking a friend to a bus station several blocks away. It's time to leave the cities. It's time to recognize what they've become. And it's time to point the finger at the people who have led, led, led these cities to become this bad. Portland, riots, Minneapolis, defunded police, NYPD defunded, DAs in Fort Worth, New York, Chicago, Portland, cutting loose rioters, crime on the rise across the board. And it's in Democrat run cities. That's why it's crazy to me when I see people moving to Texas. You know, they say that people from California are moving to Texas, bringing their policies with them, and it's going to result in Texas being a swing state. I'm not going to play that. I'm not going to I'm not going to play that game. I'm not bringing my policies with me. Nah, look, I, I, there's a lot of things I believe that clash with conservatives, but I'm willing to sit back and wait and kind of test the waters before enacting any kind of far reaching or, or crazy uh, policy change. De Blasio, these these D.A.'s. They claim that they're progressive and so they're going to make a change. They want to change the criminal justice system, but they do it with a sledgehammer instead of a fly swatter. It's it, what, what they're doing is making everything worse. You got, a, you got a bug around your house, or you're swinging a sledgehammer, smashing everything up. Crime is skyrocketing. And instead, they talk about reducing the police's budget. Like, how does this make sense? And what is their real goal? When you see what you when when, when you look at what we've seen so far, with the mass rioting for over 130 days, with the escalation of lethal force, with random people being attacked. This Japanese pianist, why was he attacked? We have no idea. He wasn't robbed. They just attacked him. Rick Moranis, why was he attacked? We have no idea. They just attacked him. It's random. There's no reason. There's no anger. It's just people want to hurt someone they hate, I guess. The cities, these cities are, 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 are it's kind of sad to see, man. But I'm glad I got, a New, I got out of New York when I did. Because I lived on that street where they killed those two cops, uh, the, the black nationalists. Now we get uh, the, the hard results from Democrat policy. But you need to understand a lot of this probably stems from the COVID lockdowns. People lost their jobs. People got angry. They looted. They rioted. The police lost their budget. The city is strained for cash. They've lost their tax base. <sighs> I got to say it. It's, it's, de- it's, it's only going to escalate from here in terms of the chaos, the tension, the violence. Now, look, I highlighted three stories for you from New York. Three out of what? 10 million people who are still there. So sure, these stories just make it seem like things are really bad. Maybe they're not really bad. And maybe that's the important thing. But I got I, I got to tell you, man, seeing that people have left, the businesses have been boarded up. 12,000 stores are, are closed. Moving vehicles are everywhere and people are fleeing the city. It really does seem intentional. I mean, why are these stories popping up? Why are these attacks happening? Why is the city doing enforcing a new lockdown? Why are they doing any of it? 
it seems intentional. Like I was saying this in my main channel segment, like the Democrats are trying to lose but make it seem like they want to win. They don't really. What are you? Know, they put up checkpoints at the tunnels and the bridges that keeps tourists out. So they'll make no tourism revenue. Then they're chasing businesses away. They're shutting them down. That takes away their business revenue. They put homeless people and, and predators near luxury condos and buildings chasing the rich people out. It's on purpose, isn't it? They're destroying New York City on purpose. Or they're just that insane. They're just so bad at what they do. I hope you people uh, who live in New York City are going to vote out these lunatics and make a real change. I look at the polling, though, and I'm not too confident. It is worrisome to see that you have this uh, this polling advantage for Joe Biden. I think we're going to be in big trouble if the Democrats sweep. I'll see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out.